podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It's the moment of the evening every K-State fan enjoys. Settle down and pour a whiskey, crack open a LaCroix. Please put your hands together and make a little noise for your favorite Wildcatters, the handsome Bosco boys. Boom, the boys are back, and what an exciting holiday weekend it was. Uh, All sorts of stuff, talking conference realignment, and again, it's weird to be on the conference realignment side of things that isn't insanely doom and gloom. So we'll be talking about what's going on in the Pac-12, what might be the next move. We're going to talk about the latest of the of the you know big time football commitments that K State got in Joe Jackson. Joe, don't call me shoeless Jackson out of Florida. Another all purpose back. Truly a highlight every time he touches the ball down there in Florida. And if you're listening to this on release date on Tuesday morning, it's Avery Johnson Day, 3 p.m. on CBS Sports HQ, which is their online 24-hour sports uh, channel, he will be making his commitment. All signs point towards the Cats. I think, uh, you know, Tuesday, July 5th is going to be a day full of party rocking and a lot of fun amongst K-State fans getting what might be considered the greatest recruit in program history. Now, not the most, not the most high profile, not the highest rated, but when you look at the offer sheet, when you look at all these programs that K-State had to ward off, if you look at the potential he has to reach at K-State and you see the position he plays at quarterback and him being an in-state kid, him being a number one kid, it really might be. And, and we'll probably end the show talking about that. Before we do jump into those three topics, folks, the Wednesday live show might be one of the most electric live shows of all time. I think there's going to be a race to get up on the stage. Um, we'll go longer than an hour on Wednesday night if we need to. Uh, it's going to be electric. If you don't have an Apple device, steal it from your brother, your sister, your girlfriend, your mom. Steal an iPhone from someone and listen and participate. It is going to be a massive night on ColorCast on the live show at 7 p.m., Again, we'll be, it's going to be your guys' the Boneheads' first chance to talk conference realignment. They're going to get to talk Joe Jackson. They're going to get to talk Avery Johnson. And as we're sitting here, you know, what, middle of July? You can smell fall camp just right around the corner. Football season is going to be here before you know it. And who knows? Maybe Jerome Tang has something up his sleeve and will bless us with a little bit of news right before we start recording like he did last week. It's going to be exciting, folks. It's going to be exciting. I hope you all had a safe 4th of July and you're ready to continue party rocking into July. All right, let's first touch on, let's do conference realignment. Let's do conference realignment because um, I think if, if anyone listened to my the show that dropped on July 4th and I recorded that on Friday, so that was pre-recorded a little bit. But if you haven't listened to it, please go back and listen because it's not just all conference realignment. It's talking about the fireworks at K-State. You know, you have these electric 
exciting players in football, in women's basketball, in volleyball, uh, the facilities that are being built. And then you, I talked about the conference. So it really is. It's, it's one of my favorite episodes I've recorded just by myself. So if you haven't, please go back and listen to that July 4th fireworks episode. But we're going to start with conference realignment. And there's some things that I, I want to touch on. And I'm afraid I'm going to be a broken record whenever I talk about conference realignment uh, as it regards the Big 12 right now with this recent news. Because there's going to be ignorant, low IQ, wannabe, shock jock losers, usually based either in the West Coast or in the Northeast that have no idea about anything outside of their small little sphere of influence and knowledge. The Pac-12, even if Oregon and Washington stay, which I'll get to that in a bit, they will not be coming after, well, they'll be coming after Big 12 schools, but they have nothing to offer them. The Pac-12 was making less money as is. And how do they expect... USC and UCLA leaving to prop them up. People want to make the comments. They want to make the jokes about how much of the uh, TV contract Oklahoma and Texas were. Do a deep dive into the Pac-12 numbers. Because if you think that the water was being carried by Texas and Oklahoma here, what do you think the LA market was doing for the Pac-12? And by and large... That's a region of the country that already stopped caring about college football. The state of California does not give two shits about college football. For the most part, Washington, the state of Washington, does not give two shits about college football. Colorado, and again, we're going to be talking about Colorado maybe coming back, but Colorado doesn't give two shits about CU Buffalo football. You know, so... Anyone who's going to sit here and say, oh, the Pac-12 needs to go and grab Texas Tech and Oklahoma State and maybe Baylor and TCU. I mean, first off, they they do not realize some of the demographic issues that the Pac-12 is going to have trying to expand regardless. And they also don't realize that a, a school is not going to leave, give up more money to go to a less stable conference for less money. It's just asinine absolute asinine the big 12 is better in every single possible way than the pac-12 that was even before usc and ucla decided to go to the big 10 now a lot of the news has been surrounding what is the big 10 going to do next i think a lot of folks are sitting back and looking and trying to figure out what notre dame's going to do because the major belief is if notre dame says yes Finally, we will join the Big Ten. You guys have been chasing us forever. All right, we're going to do it. Fuck it, we're in. They're going to bring Stanford along with them. They have a long-standing rivalry with Stanford. They've been playing them consecutively for quite a while. They played Stanford, I think. I think they're in the top ten most played games with Notre Dame. So Notre Dame would say, bring Stanford with me because they want to add that kind of final rival. They have that history with USC. They have that history with Purdue, Indiana, uh, with Pitt. They have, uh, Pitt's actually in the ACC, so I take that back. But they have that history with Michigan as well. So that would make the most sense. 
Now, I think when this immediately happened, all of us were thinking, well, shit, Washington and Oregon are going to be next. But it sounds like, at least right now, at least the rumor is Washington and Oregon are not giving you enough bump when it comes to TV valuations. So they may be on the outside looking in when it comes to the Big Ten. Now, a lot of folks in the college football world are saying, all right, we're going to wait and see what Notre Dame does, and no other moves are going to be made. Well, if you pay attention to some of the news in the state of Arizona, uh, the publisher of the Arizona website on the 247 Sports uh, umbrella was reporting that the Big 12 on Tuesday, so on July 5th, was going to have meetings with University of Arizona, Arizona State, Colorado, and Utah in talks of bringing those four teams to the Big 12. Now, I've talked about this a few times. Again, this is a little bit of a broken record, but the Big 12 needs to keep their eye on the prize. Do not settle for any stupid merger. Do not do anything with combined TV rights. Because I have no desire to cross over with Stanford, with Cal. I could, I, they're pretentious universities that honestly don't want anything to do with us, so why throw them a lifesaver? I have a lot of sympathy for Oregon State and Washington State fans. I really do, because again, they're in the same shoes we were wearing last July, 11 months ago. So I understand, and, and I... I I feel bad for them. But they bring no value at all. No value at all. So outside of the Fort Mountain schools, the only two schools I would even entertain thinking about bringing into the umbrella would be Oregon and Washington. Now, I don't think Oregon and Washington are going to make any sort of move until the the Big Ten already signs their TV deal and it is completely done. There is no shot. So I don't even think it is worth talking about Oregon and Washington right now. But there are reports out of Utah, out of Arizona, that indicate that those four schools are having conversations with the Big 12 on July 5th. So I can't imagine that there isn't some very real possibility, some very real stuff there. If I'm the Big 12, I take those four right there, right now. You go up to 16, and you cripple the Pac-12. You basically force Oregon and Washington's hand. Are you really going to try to rebuild this thing with Stanford, Cal, and then your state schools, Washington State and Oregon State? Ultimately, they will, they will sit by until the Big 10 signs contracts and it's all done. But then all of a sudden you could force that issue and get those eight. And then you have seven schools in the Mountain and Pacific time zone. You have a handful in the East. And then still eight in the Central time zone. So, I, you know, that's what I would do. And scheduling with 18 teams, that's going to suck. But again, that does give you, what? next 10 years of stability before the ACC grant of rights go up in smoke and then this all starts again. 
I think that's the way to go. And, and again, I think that maximizes your TV revenue. It becomes very attractive for your TV partners. You're going to be able to play from a kickoff at 11 a.m. Central Time Zone. You'll be p- playing past midnight if you want in the Central Time Zone. And you have enough teams where you can play a game on Thursday and Friday night as well. I hope the Big 12 is aggressive. I, if I was calling the shots, I would add University of Arizona and Utah and then hold Pat for just a little bit. But ultimately, I would do whatever Fox, whatever Turner, whatever CBS told me to do. Maximize it out because if you're adding the four mountain schools with an outside shot of Washington, Oregon, you're going to have a fun league. It's going to be a profitable league, and it's a league I'm excited for. Now let's move into the most recent football commit, Joe Jackson. Now this is an he's listed as an athlete on most of the recruiting sites. Rivals has him as an all-purpose back. This guy is a violent runner. A violent runner. He has highlight potential because, again, he has very good speed, very good vision. Now, I think he's a compliment to Dylan Edwards because Dylan Edwards has this wiggle. This guy is a one-cut-and-go type guy. And he stands at 5'11", 190. He can run past you. He can run over you. This is an amazing get out of Florida. Duke was in on him. Louisville, Iowa State, Pitt, Purdue, Rutgers, Utah, Vandy, Wake Forest. This was an am- another amazing get. An an- another amazing recruiting job by Brian Anderson and by the entire staff. You couple him with Dylan Edwards, you have a two-back set that is going to absolutely drive defenses wild. Now, I, I think that it is a very big breath of fresh air to see how this staff has recruited the running back position since they came to town. You know, it's beating a dead horse, but when they came... 2K State, there wasn't a single scholarship running back on the roster. And since then, they've they've brought in a lot of guys and guys who have made impacts early. Now, when you have a consensus All-American in Deuce Vaughn, that is going to lead to a lot of attrition. And I don't blame any of those guys for deciding to go. But you have the combination of Dylan Edwards... And Joe Jackson coming to town next year. I think Dylan Edwards is going to be a spring uh, enrollee. I don't know about Jackson. But all of a sudden, you have weapons that are going to allow Colin Klein the creativity and the options as a play caller. And that is just something that is going to be fun to see. And they're still in on John Randall Jr., Another four-star in the state of Kansas out of Wichita. And the great part about these guys is that all three of them are complementary of each other. That is something that I think that this staff has done perfectly 
since coming to town. I think every single running back they have brought in, if they reach their potential, is their own guy. They don't have anyone who's like, oh, how's he going to get on the field because he has the same skill set as Deuce Vaughn? You know, Tony Frias is a different guy. DJ Giddens out of Junction City is another different guy. They're all different types of running backs. So they're setting themselves up to be able to do anything they want in the offense. They're setting themselves up for a position where when they're calling plays, they are not going to be limited by their skill set player or their their, uh, skill players. They're seven on seven players, as you will. Now they they need to grab a couple more wide receivers, and that's where you know outside of the Avery Johnson commitment uh, that that will be happening today, as you guys are listening to this at three o'clock on CBS Sports HQ, which is their digital um, platform. You got to get it over the finish line with Josh Manning, Jacoby Lane. Um, there were thoughts that Josh Manning was going to pull the trigger um, over the weekend. It didn't end up happening. That's going to be a recruitment that I think is probably going to go until there's a signature. Jacoby Lane is all about the Cats, but again, he's blowing up at Elite 11. We have to take this momentum. We have to capitalize on it. Because again, Andre Davis is one of the best wide receiver commits that we have gotten in a very, very, very long time. But him alone... I shouldn't say alone because Will Ancio, out of Capen, that tight end, he's going to be the real deal. But those guys alone are not going to be able to take us to the level that we're all starting to daydream about. When you have the backfield figured out, you're hopefully, unless something goes drastically wrong, you're about to have the quarterback of the future figured out. You have a tight end who is criminally underrated. I think if, if you put Will in... Miami County, down in Florida. Will Ancio is a high four-star, maybe even a five-star, with offers from all across the country. I promise you guys, he is a superstar in the making at tight end. You know, he is exactly what we wanted Briley Moore and Daniel Matter Bebe to be. Like this true game-breaking tight end. Like legitimately... I think he will be an NFL draft pick. And I, I don't like putting that type of weight on someone before they even take a snap in their senior year of high school. But that is the potential that he has. Now, if you can get two more wide receivers at that blue chip level to go with these running backs, who Dylan Edwards is a 2474 star, Joe Jackson's right on the razor edge, just on the teetering point between a four star. And three-star on all the recruiting sites. Andre Davis is right there. Right there on the cusp. If you bring in two four-star wide receivers with all this, all of a sudden, you have a skill group, a skill position group, made up of predominantly Kansas City and Kansas and Wichita kids. That It's the type of haul that you need if you want to be competing for conference championships. And now when, when it's all said and done, when, when the recruiting year is done, 
and, and you know, even if you you're going to grab Avery Johnson, hopefully you get Manning and you get Lane. You have Jackson, Edwards, and maybe even Randall. Is this going to be a top 25 class, like on Rivals, on On3, on 247? Probably not, no. It's probably going to be in the 30s or 40s. I think that's kind of jarring for K-State fans to hear because we're like hitting on these high-profile guys that we haven't hit on in forever. But don't let the recruiting rankings deter you from the fact that Chris Kleiman is getting elite-level players. He's beating out some blue bloods for some of these players, and they're what he wants for his system. Now, I don't give a shit what the final recruiting rankings say. You are beating out big-time players, or big-time programs for big-time players, and it's in the image he wants to build. And guess what? It's not just that. They're still going after the same kids that they're seeing in camp. They're still identifying better than anyone else in the Big 12. They're just bringing it home with guys like Joe Jackson. Like Donovan McIntosh. Like Will Anzio. You know? You can, can kind of turn your nose up at Fabris. But those are the type of guys that this coaching staff goes out and finds that no one else is on, and then they blow up and become all Big 12 players. I mean, that happened with Felix and DK Uzama. He was about to go to Missouri and pledge a fraternity. And then we're like, no, come play ball for us. Now he's blowing up. And again, even if you look at, uh, you know, can JL Thomas, K Thomas, Oklahoma kid. You beat out Oklahoma State, Iowa State, KU, Memphis for him. And that's one of the lowest rated guys in your class. Like, that's not going to help out your recruiting ranking, but you're beating people for that recruit. Cameron Salas, you're getting him out of Texas, dipping down into Texas. You're beating out Arizona State for him. You're identifying a kid in the camp, he has a Power Five offer. And you land him. Again, he's a 5'5", five, five, three-star on Rivals. That's not going to help your ranking. But he's a real deal player. I'm so excited for this class. And again, the one thing that Bill Snyder had it right when it comes to recruiting is you can't truly grade a recruiting class until a few years later. You know, in December, Chris Kleiman's going to sit up at the podium. He's going to talk about this elite class of Kansas kids, Kansas City kids, and then kids from Florida, Texas, Alabama, St. Louis. He's going to talk about all these guys, Colorado probably. And we're going to be pumped, but again, we won't truly know till they're in the program and then they take off. But the good thing that we have going for us, we've seen in the early years of Chris Kleiman, they know how to identify talent, they know how to develop it. So we are going to be in Great hands. I'll move on to what is decision day for Avery Johnson and just kind of set the table. Again, he's a top 200 prospect, which again, you don't see a ton of at K-State. He's a four-star. He's the number three rated dual threat quarterback in the nation. He had Notre Dame, Florida State, Arkansas, Auburn, Oregon, Washington, just about every program under the sun. 
come after him. And it was K-State on him from day one. And as he eliminated some schools and brought some new schools into the fold, as things ebbed and flowed, it was Taylor Bratt, Colin Klein, and Chris Kleiman who stayed at the top of that list beginning to end. And this is going to be a storybook recruitment because, again, through all the adversity that these coaches had faced, you know, even K-State fans on Twitter saying, oh, we're never going to get Avery Johnson, and even tagging him on tweets. Through all of that, we are still most likely going to come out on top. And again, that is a testament to Colin Klein. It's a testament to Chris Kleiman. It's a testament to Taylor Bratt. And to the K-State fans who helped build this fan base in this program to what it is. Because I'll tell you this. Whether or not we are in one of these big two super conferences, you're not going to find a better 50,000 seat stadium in the world for any freaking sport. And that's on the backs of these great donors who believe in the university and the athletic department and the vision. It's on the backs of John Curry and Gene Taylor and Bill Snyder and Chris Kleiman, these coaches who have the vision of to what it takes to be the best football program we can have at K-State. It's on the backs of these players who have played above their recruiting rankings, who have played above their projections. And we have a legitimate cathedral to college football right there in Manhattan, Kansas, with 50,000 strong. And it's the best of what K-State football can be, which has allowed this coaching staff to set themselves up to be able to capitalize on the best class of high school football players the state of Kansas has ever seen. And the job won't be done with Avery Johnson. You're still going to have Jordan Allen, who dropped his top four between Missouri, K-State, Iowa State, and someone else, Nebraska maybe. You're still going to be going after John Randall. There's more in-state kids and there's more recruits to be going after. And guess what? Football season is going to be right around the corner. Are we going to let this all be all talk and then you know only have 40000 in there for the opener? I hope not. It's time for the fan base to get re-engaged. It's time to get that, you know, fever pitch back. And just go wild inside the stadium. Remind Missouri what they left behind and kick their ass in week two. It's time to really start ramping up that energy. Because the folks listening to this podcast are not casual folks. The casual K-State fan is not listening to me rant for a half hour mainly about some recruiting in my uh, own conference realignment thoughts. So it's time for this fever pitch to start infecting the diehards in the fan base and get back to it. Get back to that feeling that we had in 2012 and 2014. To get back that feeling we had last season before shit hit the fans kind of got hurt. But get that feeling back where it's like, okay, we're going to be playing two games in Arlington. It's time to start getting that energy back because, folks, we're two months out from football season. And it's going to be a magical season. It's going to be a magical season, and I, I really do think that we have turned the corner for this football program, and we're about to enter truly, you know, 
starting last year, getting back to that eight-win mark. Well, hell, even starting with year one with Chris Kleiman, because the COVID year doesn't count. I say that in jest, but the COVID year was fucking miserable. But th- this climate era, where the new baseline is eight wins, I mean, next year it would be a miracle to get to eight. I think next year might be rough. But then you turn that corner in this new era of K-State football where you are a top 25 team, that schools look at the, the schedule. KU fans, West Virginia fans, TCU fans, Hopefully soon, Iowa State fans look at their schedule. They say, shit, we have to play K-State week four. That's a loss. Get back to that level. I truly believe we're getting back to that point. And I'm pumped. Folks, this is going to be a big week. This is all I have today. Again, it's 4th of July. I hope everyone had a safe one. Do yourself a favor. Watch a little bit of Huddle, the highlight films of Joe Jackson. You're going to be in love with him. Soon it'll be we'll be able to start doing Blitz Month, and it won't just be recruiting. Won't just be all these hypotheticals because again, there are folks who do recruiting better. Derek Young over at K State Online is the best in the biz. Go Powercat over at two four seven. They're doing a job too. Listen to the podcasts. Tim Fitzgerald been, has been doing the Powercat podcast. I mean, it's been going forever. He does a great job covering Derek Young. John Kurtz, Cole Mambeck doing the KC Sports SN or KCSN K State Sports Podcast. They're doing a great job over there. My buddies, the Aggieville Alley Cats, give them a listen. There is a ton of K State content this offseason. It's not like it used to be. So make sure you're checking them out. Check out Kellis Robinette and all everything he's writing for the Kansas City Star Wichita Eagle. It is such a fun summer to be a Wildcat. So keep it going. I'm hoping, you know, again, unless something hits the fan, I'll be having a conversation with Drew Galloway of K-State Online to talk about the impact of Avery Johnson. Hopefully you guys will be able to listen to that tomorrow morning. Then we have the live show again, Wednesday, 7 p.m., ColorCast. Then I'll try to get something for you Friday because, again, we're going to try to do a show every single weekday in July, every single weekday in August. And once the football season starts, that's the plan. You guys are going to have more Bosco's boys than you know what to do with. Keep listening. You know what? It's been a while since I've asked for it. Please give me five five stars review. If you have a funny five-star review on Apple, leave a positive, funny one, five stars. I'll send you a koozie. Got some new koozies in. I know some folks have been waiting on them. Uh, hopefully, they'll be going out this week. We love you guys. It's a big day. It's Avery Johnson Day. Joe Jackson just committed. We have the best two-back tandem, maybe in the history of K-State football recruiting with Avery er, with Dylan Edwards and Joe Jackson. You're about to have Avery Johnson QB1 join them. We love you guys. Grant's at the Cathead. Hope you had a great holiday weekend, and I can't wait to talk to you the next two nights. It's going to be fun. Hail to the to the white wildcat in spirit wildcat in fight hail alma mater from sea to sea onward forever hail victory but fight 
UK State Wildcats form alma mater fights. Glory in the combat for the purple and the white. Faithful to our colors, we will ever be a fighting, ever fighting for a wildcat victory. Fight, 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 fight. UK State Wildcats for alma mater fight, 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 fight. Glory in the combat for the purple and the white. Faithful to our colors, we will ever be fighting, ever fighting for a wildcat victory. Go State! Podcast Network.